All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we take a listener's question about a topic that they were interested in. They went to our website, techgumbo.net, and submitted their question to us. And this question was, should I use my cell phone as a key to get into my hotel room? So this is an interesting question. This is a cool new technology which is starting to roll out, especially post-pandemic as people are starting to travel more. The hotels are now letting you, instead of having to go to the front desk to check in and then you sign in and they give you the plastic key, you do everything from your phone. Like whenever you use your phone to do the pay at the grocery store, that same technology allows you to ding into your hotel room. And the question is, is this ready? And you know, may be using Bluetooth as well. And so it's communicating to that lock on that door. And that's great. I think this is one of those things where it's half-baked. I don't think it's ready for prime time. And and there's some, some people that are pushing back. Oh, they're going to just monetize. They're going to try and sell my data. Folks, if that's what you're worried about, when you made the reservation with the hotel on your phone, you gave them your credit card number and your cell phone number and your email address, they already have everything they need to know about you. Yeah, they already have you, whenever you use that plastic card to sign inside out of your room, they may not have it directly connected right now, but they already have all the information you gave it to them. So data isn't really the concern here. So you're downloading the app onto your phone, and when you're showing up on the grounds of the hotel, the system is looking for the local Wi-Fi so it knows you're geo-located on the grounds, and then it allows you to advance to your door. You've already checked in by showing up on, on site, and then you go to the your door, you push the button in the middle of your screen, and that sends the, the signal to the to the door, unlocks the door, and you're in. You went through the whole registration process on your phone, much like how you check into your flight from your phone, that you don't have to go to the desk anymore. And this is the same thing. There will still be a desk there. It's unlikely that they pull the person from the front desk. But if you don't feel the need, if everything goes smoothly and you just want to have it be an all-digital process, that's an option. The part that I'm still a little leery of is we are so 
dependent upon our phones already. We're asking these magnificent little devices in our hands to do so many things already. And if you're on a vacation down in the island somewhere and, and your phone takes a bath in the in the ocean and it's unusable anymore, how do you get back in the hotel room? This is already a problem that exists, that our phones are a single point of failure for an unbelievable number of systems in our lives. And this is just another thing to add on top of that. This that's that's not really the straw that breaks the camel's back for me. If I have 99 things go wrong, having the hundredth thing go wrong isn't the difference maker. Some people still like the in-person touch. They like to know the that front desk person. Sometimes that connect if you need something, it can be useful to talk to them. There is always value in having that human being there at the staffing desk. But if that's not something you need in that moment and you just zip on through, well, you know, it's maybe maybe I'm not ready for it just yet. Maybe in a year or two after they iron out a little bit more of the problems with it, because I'm sure that there are going to be some problems. But, you know, another two, especially three years and wherever it becomes much more common. Yeah, I could see this just becoming the future. I agree. And so, you know, if you're there and you've got a family of four or just you and your your significant other are checking in, I guess you could share that code. Hey, give this other phone number access as well. So you don't need to go create multiple keys. Your phone could take care of that for you. If the apps are doing that yet, I don't know. Right. Uh, we, we have not done this yet ourselves, but that's also a good point is that uh, one of the things that I do worry about whenever I'm staying in hotels, oh, like, do I have my key on me? I always know I have my phone on me, but, you know, whenever you go to a conference and you walk out and you say, oh, did I, I forgot my key up in my room and, you know, then it's kind of a hassle. Well, this does alleviate that problem because you you're always going to have your phone on you as long as your phone is charged. That's, That's another right. thing is that, you know, we ask our phones to do more and more and more. You have these bigger screens, these brighter screens. We watch videos. They connect to the Internet. They connect to the GPS. They connect to your Bluetooth headphones. And they do all of these things that drain battery life. Well, if your phone dies, that is something that you're – it's another point of failure. You know, I'm not saying I'm some old school guy who wants that that key to stick in a door and turn the knob. Not at all. I like I I just don't know that that this is just it's just not ready for prime time yet. Give it another year or two. It, it's going to bake in and we're all going to be using our phones to do absolutely everything. Get over that. I mean, that's that's where it's headed. The world is headed. It's just I don't think this one's ready yet. I agree. So. Thank you for, for the question. We'll be sending you out uh, our beautiful Tech Gumbo mug. If you want to know what the, the mug looks like, go to our website, techgumbo.net, and send us a question. If we use your question, we'd love to send you a mug as well. So we mentioned a few weeks back the Twitter whistleblower testimony and how we thought that it was going to be time to grab the popcorn. Well, that moment happened. On Tuesday, the whistleblower went in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee to testify about his experiences, and oh boy, it was exciting. This was 
like a blockbuster James Bond Terminator movie, just explosions and action and all but people dying on the on the house in the Senate floor. I mean, this guy held back nothing when he told the senators when he said it doesn't matter who has keys if you don't have any locks on the doors. And then he said, it's not far-fetched to say an employee inside of Twitter could take over the accounts of all the senators in this room. Yeah, that's a very big and bold statement. And oh my goodness, the implications of that. its It doesn't seem like that has happened. You know, as best we can tell, he's not alleging that someone did take over the Twitter account of a powerful, important person. But the fact that it could, and that he's saying that Twitter knew this was possible and intentionally did nothing about it because they were financially incentivized to do nothing about it is really bad. It brings into the whole idea of whistleblowers in these tech companies. If you remember about a year ago, you had Francis Hogan, the Facebook whistleblower. Then you had the Cambridge Analytical whistleblower a few years back. And and those were fine. That, that, that was those people were interesting. They did not report to the CEO of the company. Yes, this guy, uh, Peter Mudge Zatko, was incredibly high up. He was brought in to be their uh, ace in the hole to fix a lot of these problems. And he started pointing out problems and they told him to shut up and go away. And so he ended up leaving after about two years because he said, I don't want my name attached to this. There is far too much that is a complete mess problem, disaster waiting to happen. Now, the one thing that you mentioned is that the previous whistleblower, Frances Haugen from Facebook, she had documents. She had internal documents with all of this written down. And to this point in time, Zatko hasn't been able to have the smoking gun yet. It's all been his word. It's all been things he's said. He's believed to be very credible, but it's that's the, the one difference here. Now, this, this story has a whole lot of twists and turns to it because... As it turns out, Twitter had paid him a little over $7 million in early June as part of a settlement of his termination with the company. And he even signed a non-disclosure agreement that for- forbid him from talking publicly about it. The only thing that could happen is if he went before a congressional hearing because he was a government whistleblower, that allowed him to start talking. Yep, and turns out that's exactly what he did. And so apparently that type of clause is actually very standard in NDAs that the government's uh, whistleblowers and congressional hearings are not affected by this because no company wants to try and sue to prevent someone from testifying in front of the government. That's not a good look for you, but that is pretty rough and... Whenever you look at the types of things that he's alleging, you see why he had to go become a government whistleblower. This isn't just, oh, you know, Twitter did some stuff I didn't like. This is 
Twitter, what was the one quote? Twitter's security holes cause real harm to real people. And a lot of the quotes from senators were circling around the fact that you could have foreign governments meddling inside of Twitter. And in fact, we know of at least two. Oh, by the way, you know, there's this other little entity called the Federal Trade Commission. Apparently, they were watching the C-SPAN televised testimony as well, because now they want to talk to Mr. Zatko. When the FTC wants to come in and have a conversation with you about the hundreds of millions of dollars of fines that could be headed towards Twitter because they're lying to the FTC? Oh, my goodness. Explosions going off everywhere. And it doesn't stop there because several senators on both sides of the aisle said that this is a systemic failure. This is larger than Twitter. The fact that the FTC couldn't prevent this from happening means we need a whole new structure to regulate this. This is Lindsey Graham and Elizabeth Warren coming together to say we need something new, something bigger, something different, because what we have just is not cutting it. And this is a, an ex thought that is expressed by numerous different senators. John Kennedy from Louisiana said, my guess is that this testimony today will trigger a lot of class actions, and it should. <laughs> and whenever you have senators come out and say, we need to make changes, that this is too many bombshell whistleblower testimonies in a row, at some point in time, you have to do something. We have been for years on this show talking about the GDPR in Europe and how you can control your data, how you can decide whether you want these companies to keep your data. Well, Section 230, the Telecom Act of 1996, has reared its ugly head in this testimony and you're going to have senators and congresspeople swinging machetes, chainsaws, and everything and anything they can that has a sharp enough edge to rip apart Section 230, which ends social media as we know it. it. Yes. And it's also another factor of GDPR is that fines are tied to a portion of your company's net revenue. If Twitter made, you know, several billion dollars last year and you find them 150 million, that's just the cost of doing business. Whereas if they made $5 billion and you find them $3 billion, now you have their attention. And so the penalties need to be steeper. The enforcement needs to be steeper. The regulations need to be steeper. The technical capability of the company are of the agencies designed to do this and of our senators to understand how all of this actually works needs to be better because, as you mentioned, it's not new anymore. It's, it's not groundbreaking legislation. It's pretty well tested over there on, on the other continent that we are woefully far behind. And this is just another glaring event to say that we need better data regulation and better tech regulation here in America. When you have multiple senators coming out and saying that we need to approach regulating tech companies such as Twitter, 
they asked what had been going on in France had held Twitter to better standards than we were here in the United States. That's something that should really, really catch their attention, that people on both sides of the aisle, when you have Lindsey Graham and, and Elizabeth Warren agreeing so closely on something, and they have trouble agreeing on the time of day most times, you're just really, really in a, in a world of hurt there. And fascinatingly, though, because this story just continues to have twists and turns, Twitter shareholders were mostly unfazed by this, that the Twitter stock was up slightly on Tuesday afternoon, but uh, Facebook and Snap stocks fell slightly. So this interestingly isn't really moving the stock price, which is shocking, but Then you get into Musk, because of course he's part of this. He's trying to amend his testimony in court to allow the Twitter whistleblower's claims to be filed as part of that, which was granted. He wanted to have the trial delayed, which was denied, but everything that the whistleblower has said, anything that's public will be added into Musk's countersuit towards Twitter. Man, you have to think that this is going to get even more interesting there. Well... Mr. Zatko's testimony is part of the congressional record, so it's public information now. So Elon Musk could sit there and on the on the bench or on on the on the witness stand and just read the testimony if they wouldn't have allowed it to be entered into court. So the judge is doing himself a favor and not sitting through hours and hours of Elon Musk reading the testimony from Zatko. So that's not surprising. But it is surprising that the people who own Twitter stock just don't care about what this guy is saying is going on. And either they've got their head stuck in the sand and they're hoping it just goes away or they, they just don't care. There's one last little story which really stuck out to us, which puts the bow on everything here. And it was kind of a big story that in 2016... Disney was considering to buy Twitter. And that's this is from you know an interview with Bob Iger, the former CEO. And he said that after that they had sold the whole concept to the Disney board and the Twitter board, they were really ready to execute. The negotiation was just about to be done. This was apparently very close to happening. That's whenever Bob Iger went home and he thought about it some more. And he said that he, as a CEO, was not ready to take on the challenges of Twitter and that it wasn't about the bots. He said that they don't he didn't remember the exact number, but he said they had favored the bots into their economics. He said it was about the hate speech and the potential to do harm and the discourse online on Twitter that did not align with the the values of Disney and that he, as a CEO, did not think he could do a good job. And that is just so interesting that a CEO of a major corporation can look at an, at another entity and not reflexively feel the need to buy it. Just that he can say, wow, maybe this isn't under my expertise. This is not part of my, it doesn't add to my portfolio well. We don't need to do this, which is just so interesting to hear. Yeah, the fact that it wasn't what Disney was all about. Disney's about fun. Disney's about imagination. 
not the hateful mean stuff you see on Twitter. So, yeah, you know what? Let's pack up that money that was in the suitcase and we were ready to bring to Twitter. And let's just let's let's do something else. Yeah. If you were also were a CEO of a rocket company, rockets and social media are pretty different. And so just interesting thoughts to close on. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.